This week, Rob and Brandon take a look at the iconic 80s kid sketch comedy show You Can't Do That on Television from the primordial Nickelodeon lineup and learn that unlike one of the company's mottos at the time, kids really can't do anything. We specifically watched the episode from Season 4, Episode 10, called Classical Music, which you can find on YouTube and follow along in your book. Talk about some crazy things, then we'll talk about some other things. Pop, pop, poppery, then we'll talk about some other things. Bang, pow, cause I Welcome to Pop Free, a podcast in which we are going to attempt to take things from our childhood that seemed extremely significant at the time, or at least interesting, or at least hilarious, or possibly terrible. Terrifying. Terrifying in several cases, as we'll see down the road. We have Gilbert Gottfried down the road somewhere, so possibly that. Uh, We're going to reinvestigate them as older, matured gentlemen of uh, limited means and decide what we think about the passage of time and the text as an original thing and so on and so forth. In other words, that could sound much smarter than that. Mm -hmm. So um, we're going to start with, uh, and we'll explain this here in a bit, but we're going to start with You Can't Do That on Television, everyone's favorite basic cable show from the 80s, right? uh, which is a national treasure of Canada Mm -hmm. that we stole and so on. It's and a continental then, treasure. A continental treasure. I don't know that Mexico is big on you can't do that, but who knows? They could be. It could be in heavy syndication. It could still be in first run. Teo escucho. That would be translated, probably. Perhaps. Perhaps. Is that right? I heard that. That's what I was trying to do. Yes, that's very good. And so predicting some of our discussion about Barth, and uh, the, what's the actor's the actor fellow's name? You remember? Uh, Les. Les. Somebody's last name. No. Okay. Les Lyle, I believe, is what it is. Anyway, uh, so we're going to take a look back at things that uh, again we encountered earlier on. Um, hopefully, things that people have heard of. Maybe some things people haven't. We're going to start with this one because I think we both agreed it had a role that was interesting in our childhoods. It sort of stood out to some extent. Uh, we may look at some other things down the road, and we'll talk about what some of those things might be as we discuss why we chose this one. But that being said, Robert, go ahead and introduce yourself. Your name's Robert. Ah, uh, yes, my name is Robert, or Rob, or 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 or, or something like that. I am Rob Watkins. I'm here as your buddy and host, and uh, I am, you know, going to do some sweet emceeing. Yeah, well said, Robert. That's a tight ship you run yeah. over there. I run a tight ship. Excellent, excellent. Make sure that uh, something about the poop deck is a funny joke. <laughs> and there we go. Uh, my yeah. name's Brandon Hall. We're both going to be here as regularly as we potentially can. Mm-hmm. And we'll see how it works. We've had a lot of trouble scheduling. We work literally eight feet away from each other. Yes, it's difficult, <laughs> which maybe is what we should introduce. We are both teachers. Yes, sir. At the Idaho State University. That is true. Yep. 
We are in the 207 wing, which is reserved for teachers. And they're eh, more like teachers. You can't see the air quotes, but that's <laughs> happening. Uh, and so we'll, we'll try to pull in some other folks in our cohort who happen to know quite a bit about uh, media, mm-hmm. technology. We are surrounded by experts, essentially. So experts. Indeed. Hold on to your... Yes. Not buts. People who know smart people, people who know interesting people, and also know us uh, for whatever reason. And so we, we might want People named Noah. We don't know you. Uh, Robert, briefly explain why you picked this. I can't remember. You showed it to me out of, for some uh, reason. Okay, so you can't do that on television. Um, aired on uh, Nickelodeon, right? In, in, the, in the 80s. You have some of those deets, right? I do have some of those deets. Um, so which I, I think we'll get to. But the thing is about it is it's one of my memories. I remember sitting um, on the couch with the Nickelodeon on watching. You can't do that on television. A lot of people like to talk about their Nickelodeon nostalgia and it's usually from the 90s when they'd kind of hit their heyday. But most of my nostalgia stems from some of those terrible 80s shows, like, you can't do that on television. That one's always stood out to me. Um, I thought it was hilarious. It was mm-hmm. the epitome of what everything on television should be, because it was kids making jokes. Uh, and it just stood out. I wanted, to, I wanted to see what it was like, because I had all these memories of it. Um, so we decided to, to visit it and check it out, because, yeah, Brandon, if I recall, you also have similar memories of watching it, right? I don't know if they're as fond as mine. No, they're very fond. My memories are extremely fond of You Can't Do That on Television. Uh, it was, I would say, it encapsulates. Uh, it's the apotheosis, uh, to use that word. Mm-hmm. You used Robert. it. Yeah. <laughs> you used it. Yeah, now I'm taking a break. So it, it was quintessential. I'm going to quit synonymizing it. Okay. And we'll just we'll stop there. So anyway, it was important to my experience of approaching basic cable as basically a poor kid from Idaho in mm-hmm. the 1980s uh, with little access to media. And so, uh, you know, we had the the NBC, the ABC, the CBS sometimes. This is before Fox, uh, PBS, of course. So most of my TV viewing was on the dial uh, with the tuner on it and so on. And so a neighbor kid, you know, the richer neighbor kid, moved mm-hmm. in uh, down the street uh, with the switch box, the 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 connect cord connected cable switch box that you fondly remember. Oh yeah. Uh, where you can, right. We'll get into that later on down the road maybe. But anyway, so my, my entree into this world of broader television programming was basically, you can't do that on television. It was broadcast all the time in the early eighties. It was one of the only programs Nickelodeon had on their programming schedule in the early eighties. Um, along with some other syndicated things and things they purchased elsewhere but you can't do that on television. They ran four or five times a day. So it was always on, especially after school at my friend Josh's house. That's how I, I got exposed to it. And it seemed so different from PBS and other kids programming on network TVs. I was, you know, as we'll discuss, ruder. It is rude. <laughs> it's very rude. It was essentially alien because it was Canadian. Thing, although I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, um, I didn't know that until you told me. And so it was always a guilty childhood viewing well do you trends. remember i don't remember what years this would have been it's probably closer to the 90s but nickelodeon had an advertising campaign where it was something like if you catch your parents watching nickelodeon send them uh, to bed does that ring a bell at all it doesn't but anyway but that was kind of the you know the 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 ethos of nickelodeon sure mm-hmm. the idea that this is for kids mm-hmm. and i think that in my memory of that uh, that that attitude, you can't do that on television, seemed 
be the representation of that because it literally, having rewatched it, still it looks like it was made by kids with no adult <laughs> supervision. Yes, which is probably why yes, it's it does. Yeah, kids or really negligent uh, sort of substance abusing adults, <laughs> potentially, <laughs> or people with really bad senses of humor. It could have been all of those things, and we said Canadian already. Oh, so, yeah, oh yeah, yikes! We explained it. Uh, but yeah, it fit right into that, right into that thing. I mean, I can't think of any corollary American kids programming that had anything like it. Electric Company, maybe a little bit. Kids Incorporated. Kids Incorporated. Oh my God, that that yeah, we gotta take a look at that. Yeah, we should. That little does it. So many stars came out of that thing. Yes, they did. At least. Two. Oh my God, it totally. Headspace there. Yeah, Kids Incorporated. But I, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't have the sense of anarchy. Kids Incorporated still feels like a, in my memory at least, it still feels like a, sh- a show. It's just got kids in it. Sure, but sure, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. It had a musical segment. Anyway, yeah. enough Kids Incorporated for now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that. so this occupied a space that was really not replicated elsewhere. Now there was a '90s after this show went off the air in the early '90s. Uh, there was a replacement show on Nickelodeon that featured kids' sketch comedy. And I guess we didn't say this, but this is a kids' sketch comedy show. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, that's its basic formula. What was that one called? The one that Keenan was on? You oh, know, uh, Good that. Burger, right? That's the movie. Well, that's the movie. Uh, it's called, one of those 90s things. You yeah. said that, or that. that's not it, or talk to the hand. Who that? Who that? I don't, uh, I don't remember, because I never watched it. I think that. it's called All That, but I'm, I'm not... If only we had a device. If only the internet could be located in your hand right now. But at any rate, certainly by the time that came around, and obviously I don't remember a ton of details about it, that was much more structured, slickly produced, professional in its in its appearance and nature than this particular thing is. You can't do that on television. Uh, there is a show that all that. Yeah, see, I win. And also, awesome. they have another show called Keenan and Kel. I'm in a dream with my Dr. Pepper for remembering that. Excellent. Nice work. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I never watched that show. Did you watch it? No. Yeah, me either. Well, vaguely. And I then mean, I think in the sense. that morphed into that, uh, what's that girl's name show that was kind of similar to? Amanda. Amanda. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Now, those are bad. Yeah. In the sense that um, the level of humor in the sketch comedy is pretty basic. It's pretty silly. It's a lot of wigs. Mm-hmm. and uh, acting mm-hmm. like old people, which is exactly what this show does. Yes. Yes, so we went ahead and watched um, an episode. You can you can still access some of these episodes. They're not available on A lot BBB. of episodes. Yeah. They're not available on BBB or on any official streaming no. device, but there are episodes that have seemed to have been filmed through a potato and uploaded <laughs> on YouTube. Yes. Uh, the episode that we watched was entitled classical music. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what episode number it was? I, it was episode 50. 50. I think like 84 maybe? Did you 1984 was the date, yes. And then, no, 1983. 83. Okay. And then you also saw a separate episode pop music. Pop music, yes. Is it in conversation with classical music? It, it's similar, but it's three years later. It's 1986 and mm-hmm. they, it, it was markedly improved. Not much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a little bit better. But the thing that's famous about pop music is it's the introduction of who. You know? 
Yes, I do. I know. I know you know. You know I know. Yeah. Yes, the the introduction of Dave Coulier in the form of <laughs> bacteriological <laughs> infection. <laughs> exactly. He just kind of slurped somewhere. No, he went that way anyway. It's actually uh, the introduction of Les's new mustache. Oh. It was no longer grease paint. That's a good he, one. He grew it. Grew this is, of course, Alanis Morissette, oh, who yeah. is famously... Uh, she had a couple of... She's still famous? I think she's still kind of famous. She played God in the Dogma movie, right? Yeah. That was pretty good. She had a hit song in the uh, City of Angels soundtrack. That must have been a great movie. Yeah. That you yep. saw and cried... Yeah, through. totally did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick Cage shows a lot of chest hair in that film. Uh, yeah. Have you never seen City of Angels? No, I did. Isn't that a, a cry full hug movie? Yeah, in the yeah, late 90s when you were above that. Cause yeah, you isn't were... Nicolas Cage in it as well? Yeah, Nicolas Cage and Matt Ryan. No, I haven't seen that movie. I know everything about it. I'm being silly. <laughs> uh, you're probably uh, right to not have seen that Alanis film. Morissette in the show is referred to as Alanis, which is a conceit that all of the characters yeah, I can tell I, you. Yeah, I don't said really. It seems like all the kids are their names. Now, why do you think that is? Uh, probably, my guess, if I were to make a guess, if I were a gambling man, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I would gamble uh, that it's because the kids couldn't remember any fictional names. That's what I was going to guess. Yeah. It's also because, and we haven't really talked about this yet, but the format of the show, um, it's a 25-minute long show if you watch it. There are YouTube channels that have, I'd say, upwards of 100 episodes of this available. So you can you can do a longitudinal study and determine whether this is true. But describe what happens in the 25 minutes of the show, if you would. Well, like, what are we talking about at the level of segmentation? It is out of control. Probably at least 40 to 50 skits in that time. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not quite that many. I got 39. 39. Holy cow, yeah. It is, you know, people give MTV a hard time for the whole editing issues in the 80s, but this show is out of control. It is Mm -hmm. short punchlines, they move on, which might work if the punchlines were funny. (laughs) (laughs) But the sense of timing on this show is so poor. In every way, the acting, <laughs> the acting, the music cues, everything is timed in a way that seems at odds with itself. Well, and it's or so just random. And it's so yeah, and it's so weird because like I swear that like it it wasn't filmed live, right? You said like maybe okay. it was originally. Sure, we can we can dip here for a second. So okay, the show was originally uh, aired in 1978 on the CTN. I think I have that right. That or or CNT, a Canadian affiliate, a broadcast network in Canada. And it was uh, originally aired as an hour-long variety show-style program with audience interaction where they bought, brought people on stage and did things and, and had a live show component. And then they aired skits and, and clips in the background of this show and broadcast it that way. So it was both a live performance show and then a broadcast version of that same thing. Um, in 1980, when uh, Nickelodeon, 1980, 1981, when Nickelodeon picked up the show, they rejiggered it into a half-hour format, took out all the live components of it, and filmed it on a, on a studio stage, um, but retaining some of the... I mean, there's a laugh track, yeah. which they need. Right. So they, so you know, realize this is a joke. It's funny. And they may... Uh, we didn't watch all 8 billion episodes. There, <laughs> there may indeed be some audience interaction components to episodes somewhere along the way. But yeah. the two we saw, the one you saw, uh, the two you saw, the one I saw, uh, clearly were, were just film product. Right. Yeah. And, and may I add, that was a, it was a terrible laugh track. Just 
Oh yeah, terrible. Sure, like they should have been able to find a they a tape at their local library that would have been infinitely better than what they were using. One thing that's kind of weird about it is that on the laugh track, it doesn't necessarily sound like kids laughing. So it's a weird, it's a weird <laughs> dissonance between who's actually conceptually watching this show. That's true. Yeah, the kids' laughter might have been kind of weird too, though. I don't know. You know maybe you got like this mm. might be a little unsettling. Maybe sure. extra. Anyway, at any rate, yeah, but what I was getting at, though, is that it it feels like you're watching a live show because it seems like they always just went with the first take. Because there's sure. syncing issues often, like where they, they, they get music cues wrong, they don't land the joke frequently, the editing's off, and it literally feels like they had one take, mm-hmm. uh, and then if they, they got it, they got it, and if it was slightly off, oh well, there's 39 of these. Yeah, right. I'd buy that for a dollar. I think that's plausible. And, you know, thinking about it, there's, practically speaking, there's no way it could have been done as a live show since you have 39 seconds to a costume change that's every true. 39 seconds. And they have rotating sets, and we'll sort of cover the the basic runners, the skits that, that we saw here, or at least selections of them. Uh, but they really rotate pretty quickly with the same actor, that less Lyle in almost every single one of them. Almost so, yeah, it has to be edited together, which does right. call into question a lot of the, those points you made. Yeah, so that's probably, yeah, they wouldn't work live. But they probably filmed little like parts. Well, see, here's the thing about Les that I didn't realize as a kid, and I just found out when I looked up on the IMDb. Uh-oh. It turns out he oh, is no. old. Oh, yeah, he's old, sure. Really old. He was in his 50s and 60s when he was doing this show. So, I don't... So now he is 207. He, yeah, he is as old, I think, if I remember right, as uh, FDR. Franklin <laughs> Delanoir. <laughs> I suppose he could be. No, but no. one thing he has in common with FDR is he's no. dead. Right. So, oh, is he? Yeah, oh, he, he, did, he did pass right, away yeah. uh, about five or six years ago. Something like Jeez. that. Like, he was super old. Shut on. <laughs> I did not know how old he was. And it really calls into question what a 60-year-old man um, was doing. I, I mean, what, 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 what in his life led him to be on? That's an interesting him. question. I mean, I gather from, there There are a certain number of oral histories and other things related to this show. They're not easy, they're not widely available, but there are some you can track down here and there. And apparently he's a venerable Canadian character actor mm-hmm. from television. Okay. Who was cast in, in the early version of this show, and then when it was picked up by Nickelodeon, uh, stuck around. And I imagine at that point, in his 60s, it looks like a pretty good gig. Nickelodeon's pumping the dollars into That's the production of the show. It wasn't so a lot of work. Why? No, man. No. And he gets to <laughs> goof around with kids. Uh, and then the girl. Do you remember the girl's name? Yes, I do. Christine oh. McGlade. The adorable and delightful <laughs> Christine McGlade, who I'm thoroughly in love with. I uh, was as a child, and it was rekindled fiercely. She is lovely. She is lovely. She's probably the best thing about the show. She's the only actor on the show. Yeah, and the weird thing is she had no career afterward. Like, there, there's no... Or television no, career. Television career. On screen. On she screen. Was, did yeah. production stuff for quite a while. But you watch the show and you kind of think, oh, that girl probably has a chance. But... Yeah, and what, what do we get out of it? Let's, let's run down. Now, we're sort of... Um, Going around the edges of this because the cast over the years is really big. I mean, they're they're rotating kids all the time. There are some that that hung around like Christine for quite a while for most of the runtime. Right. 
And then there are a few that pop in here and out, like, for instance, uh, Vic Sahay, who you may remember from Chuck uh, as one of uh, Chuck's co-workers. Crap, I can't remember. Oh, man. Oh, this is dumb. Uh, Lattice Morris. Jeff and Lester, right? He's one of those two guys. Uh, he stuck around for six episodes. You can find him 103 to 109. He doesn't um, do much. The Chuck guy? Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, Alanis Morissette. Uh, is there anyone else in there? That seems like that. There's more than that. I don't know. Well, the Alistair kid is on, like, every episode, but I don't think it sure. really happened to him. Sure. And that's what I mean. I mean, coming out of the show, was did anyone break out Yeah. in a way that is significant? So that's a wholly different model that Nickelodeon does now. It seems like, you know, electronic Nickelodeon. True. <laughs> you're, you're in. You're factory farmed. Yeah. To the next step. Yeah. To your 12 step. <laughs> You've made it. Yes. Uh, but it's so bad. Uh, well, yes. Okay, sorry. No. So is that unfair? Uh, I don't know. Okay, well, it just. No, it's bad. There's but... no. There was no nostalgia <laughs> as I watched this. It's like, really? wow, this is so really? bad. Yeah. Uh, but I, I guess that, that wasn't the case for you. Well, no, I had nostalgia for the aesthetics and the set pieces. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when when they when I saw a thing, and, oh my, yeah, that's right, the firing squad. Joke. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's these, these jokes. The joke was terrible, yeah. but I had a lot of nostalgic affection for mm-hmm. the set. Yeah, and then the in my mind, they kind of just felt like they were they 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 got most of their jokes from Mad Magazine. You had like the firing yes. squad. You had the torture chamber. Uh-huh. Repeating joke. Yeah. Yeah, the, the deadbeat dad who was drunk and always wore a dirty shirt. Ugh. He was gross. He was just gross. Gross guy. That's not really a bad magazine thing. And then the Barth. Barth, yeah. Who with the punchline was always there's something gross in the food. Yeah, do it. Die her dad. It's really good. People would be in their career. Oh, better than Barth Burgers. And then he would appear from something gross, usually doing something gross. And then say that. I heard that. But why these kids kept going to bars? Well, that's an amazing question. Confusing. Amazing <laughs> question. <laughs> I, yes, also did not, like you said, they're all pretty, uh, cliched isn't the right word. They're all sort of Laffy Taffy jokes mm-hmm. with uh, visual icons that are just as fresh as Laffy Taffy jokes. Yeah. But I did like, um, out of all of them, I liked a few of the segments, a few of the kinds of segments. And I liked uh, Les Lyle playing uh, playing Ross, the producer. Yeah, his interaction with Christine, I thought, was was fun. Well, because another thing we learned is that Christine was in her mid twenties, right? Yes, and a, some production job on the show as well. Okay, so that's kind of realistic. Yeah, so that's they probably were just actual friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they probably were. They went to the same church. They, uh, they yeah, on the same PTA together. Uh, she at one point they that she was his. He was her dad, I believe, <laughs> in real life. At least uncle, something <laughs> pediatrician. And now a poppery interruption, brought to you by Brandon. All right, coming at you again, or maybe for the first time, depending on production order, with a list of things related to the episode. This time, we're going to take a look at some odd Nickelodeon shows from the early era. Of course, today, Nickelodeon is one of the most heavily identifiable media brands outside of Disney. But in its early years, it was an odd combination of licensed and in-house products without a lot of internal consistency or aesthetic unity. Many of these early products predicted elements of what would become the iconic Nick of the 1990s, 
but some largely disappeared and were forgotten, other than grainy VHS tapes on eBay. Thanks to YouTube, now you can check out digital recordings of those grainy VHS tapes, but here are a few highlights. Turkey TV was a show that ran for a season in 1985. It was actually a spiritual successor to the clippy mentality of YouTube, featuring reworked clips of international shows, often with goofy, slightly racist narration. It had fun animation and tons of Weird Al videos. Another show was called Stand By, Lights, Camera, Action, in that order, with a colon. A kid-oriented look into the technical aspects of filmmaking, it was hosted by Leonard Nimoy, who you might know as one of the killers on Columbo. Due to his connections with Paramount and the In Search Of people, he had access to a bunch of uh, pretty important time capsule movies, Star Trek III not being one of them, but it was on the show, Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, some other Lucas stuff, other stuff like that. If you just can't get your fill of Nimoy, this might stuff you full. One of the shows I remember best was called Mr. Wizard's World, which had been on the air in some form or other since the 1950s. Mr. Wizard was a precursor to Bill Nye, Beekman, Mythbusters, those other science-oriented kid shows. From a modern perspective, the setup is a little creepy. A lonely old scientist invites kids into his house one by one for weird experiments. But the overall execution is a lot more like Mr. Rogers with science than Barney with a lot of questions and angry parents. Next thing is actually a set of shows that aired together, although they weren't produced together. Mysterious Cities of Gold and Spartacus, The Sun Beneath the Sea. These were both animated shows made in France by Japanese animators. Like all other Japanese, French, Belgian cartoon co-productions, it's an odd mix of realistic and super deformed characters with super fast English dubbing, weird translations, and once again a bit of racism. Like Kimba the Lion and Yakari the Native American Brave, it poses a lot of questions about colonialism and race, but unlike real colonialism, there's a lot of goofy fun involved and some talking animals. Another thing that I remember, kind of a little bit, and isn't heavily present on YouTube, is something called Count Duckula, which is a spin-off of Danger Mouse, which was a pretty fun show. Uh, that I think is a BBC or a CBC show. It's a cartoon story about a duck vampire. The end. That popper interruption was brought to you in part by Clyde Drexler. And now, back to the program. In the pop music episode, there's this particular joke you see where Alanis, I think Alistair, uh, or walking. It might not be Alistair, it might be his creepy friend. Um, anyway, let's quickly sketch thumbnail these guys. So Christine okay. is your uh, stable, responsible character. Right, she's kind of the straight man. The straight man. A little impish at times, mm -hmm. and uh, she's constantly fat-shaming Lisa, but that's a whole separate story. Yeah, which is a product of the 80s. And then you've got, just define Alistair, if you will. Well, I can't remember how he was in classical. He didn't seem like he totally had the... Uh, uh, character ever but by pop music a few years later he seemed to be their focus mm -hmm. he was kind of the handsome rebellious yeah lead yeah uh, and then the pop music the whole I, the, the whole running theme throughout that episode besides pop music is that he and Alanis have a crush because it's the new world they like each other yeah and it's funny because he's talking to his parents which are the two adult characters the only two adult, the only two adult characters. characters and then he goes and meets her parents which happen to be the same as his parents <laughs> who are dressed exactly uh, the same see, that bespeaks a dangerous genetic environment <laughs> but at one point
some point, there's a joke with Atlantis and this kid. Um, uh, who else is there? Is there any other? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Sorry. So Lisa uh, is Lisa. Christine's foil. She's the other primary female lead. And she's gone in uh, hot music. Is she gone? So she's sort of a her first half of the run. She probably, like, you know, graduated from high school or something and thought, uh, I'm going to go to a community college and learn about speech therapy. Well, that's a moderately inspiring story. Yeah, that's my, that's my guess. <laughs> if I were to guess. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope she didn't have to be institutionalized for her body dysmorphic disorder yes. created by uh, this show thing. in the actual text of the show. Uh, but she Right, so she's a foil and uh, she plays off of Christine. And then there's Dougie, who is Alistair's understudy kind of throughout the, the episodes earlier on. He's a rascally younger kid. Uh, Dougie might have been the creepy friend I'm talking about. Could have been. There's also in the in the class movie there was an African American kid. Yes, there was. There's yes, there was. Nothing like that in the in the pop. There's no. no no variety in pop. It's all just a bunch of Canadians. Now we haven't talked about this yet, but yes, if you're wondering, the show is very much racist. So racist, <laughs> it's an insanely racist show. <laughs> However, that the the African American actor. I was not treated to as much uh, harm as I'm sure he got to. Yeah, episode. that was actually surprisingly okay. Most of the <laughs> most of the racist <laughs> jokes were just uh, bad. They were just uh, just, uh, just poorly done. Yeah, and they're not sort of angry racism. It's more uh, well, like Mad Magazine at the time might have been, mm-hmm. or sort of truly tasteless jokes or uh, cultural ethnic stereotyping rather than you know white supremacist style. Right, yeah. Like they felt they didn't feel sinister. Right. Just but just just dumb. Unpleasant. Unpleasant, yeah. Considering that the jokes were so bad and they even relied on racist and sexist humor. Yeah, right. They couldn't even get a minor laugh from that. Sure, so briefly, when you say sexist, define that for us in in the context of the show. What do you mean? I mean Uh, of course you're right. Okay. Absolutely, but what what do you mean? The gender stereotypes of the men and, and the masculinity are correct. The female are, are looked down upon as the, as the weaker sex, and I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a trope that's played throughout, including sure. the fat shame. Yeah, but that's a big part. Um, but I, I feel like there's just jokes like that throughout. The, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a man's world there. Yeah. Fat shaming, slut shaming, mm-hmm. uh, what's the other, a gay panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those things are clearly <laughs> in evidence. <laughs> the 1980s, essentially. Right, yeah. <laughs> the decade we love uh, for <laughs> none of those reasons. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good enough definition of sexism in the show, but I think it makes sense. There's a general presumption, and then specific jokes that, and it's never undercut. I mean, I think Christine is uh, not quite a third wave feminist icon, but she's <laughs> certainly the strongest female. Yeah, it's just that she is subject to all of those things. She is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if people develop crushes on her or if they thought that was creepy because of her age. Uh, no, nothing like that appears in the episodes I saw. They have a love interest between Christine and anyone. Yes. But probably they were, they were just trying to steer clear from that. Which is... Offhand, I, I want to say yes, there must have been. But again, mm-hmm. with the two-episode sample, I couldn't extrapolate. Yes, it's not a very extensive sample. And we want to say, or I want to say, that I think it's important to do a long-term catalogic study, but there is no way... <laughs> That I'm watching more than one more episode. Yeah, I would never. Time. I never want to see this again. <laughs> uh, my memories are fond, and that's great. But you know, kids will watch anything often. So, <laughs> and actually, in fairness' sake, I don't. I think my kids would probably think it's pretty funny. Really? Yeah, probably. I think they'd laugh a few times. 
Might get you good know? laugh at some of the jokes. Yeah, for sure. They, I think they might get bored, but right. They, I think I think it's so fast paced. They might stick around, but I don't know. They've also been raised on funnier things. Well, that's true. So that's true. Humor's gotten so much better. Well, here, uh, see what you. Okay, so I know if we both have fondish memories of it at the time, mm-hmm. then we are potentially um, fulfilling the original producers. Plan their their concept, which was we're going to do a kid centered show, which allows kids to feel empowered because the content is for them. That's how we're going to run this network. That's the tone, the image that we're fishing for. It must have worked at the time because that's kind of how I felt about it. I enjoyed it, and I felt like it wasn't an adult appropriate program, something that only I would like out of that whole thing. Looking back on it, how well do you think that mission held up? Hmm. How well do you think it was executed at the time, from your perspective? And looking back on it now, how well do you think it holds up? If that was really their goal, then I think they were pretty successful in the sense that, yes, I imagine my parents wanted nothing to do with that show while I was watching it. Um, Which, yeah, Nickelodeon kind of seemed to be wanting to do, that weird thing. Um, So were they successful? Yeah. But, I mean, you can be successful at doing something, but your execution can be poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get the desired result, but not have, you know, a good race to the finish line. Sure. I guess what I'm getting at. I feel like no, I think you're, that's that's true. There's ways that they could have done that without being so awful. <laughs> but maybe not. I don't know because you know now um, kids shows are always for seemingly almost always for adults as well. So maybe maybe. Well, that's not true. Minions. Minions is just mm-hmm. painful. Maybe Minions is like in the same uh, vein, the same evolution. Well, would you, uh, I think Minions, if we're talking about demography or marketing or what have you, is sort of a, oh, what would you say, like a four to ten sort of wheelhouse as far as aging. What would you pin the audience age at for You Can't Do That mm. on television? Well, my age was between five and ten when I would have watched it. Sure, me too. Uh, so I would guess anywhere in there. I bet I bet it's seven to preteen. Yeah, I think preteen preteen strikes the right. No, so you way think seven's too little? Well, possibly, but like we said, we were that that young and probably not getting it all the time. Probably not. Yeah. Although there's not, it's not there's too lot complicated. To but yeah. yeah, tweenish. They're trying to broadcast to a specific demography. In this case, kids of X ages. And so, um, again, as part of their full mission statement, they're trying to make content programming that is just for this particular audience, which is where you're saying now uh, that that uh, channels create cross-audience product that adults enjoy as well as kids. Uh, and I think that's part of a, narrow, a broader approach to audience than this thing was, which is really just you want tweens to watch this thing. In my mind, at least, what I'm thinking of with these wide audiences where I'm going to sit down and watch a kid's show with my kids, it's primarily Cartoon Network and PBS that does that, in my mind. Cool. cool. I feel like Nickelodeon and Disney still are marketing to that tween market. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to watch any of those sitcoms that they air on. I agree. I agree. So maybe they've been successful this whole time. Well, this model must have proved successful. I mean, uh, it ran for over a decade. And it became part of the branding of Nickelodeon when they had the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards every year. They dumped the green slime on people. Mm-hmm. That was an important part of their corporate <laughs> was, ideas. Wasn't it weird oh, wow. to see the evolution of the green slime, how weird, bad it looked back then? That's true. It looked like, I don't know, like cornstarch and 
I think that's what it was mostly. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I guess the takeaway is yeah, they they figured they learned that that kind of approach can work if you're in that you know really broad media market where uh, people can select narrowcast models um, within a single household. Your kids can watch you know uh, Disney Kids if they're X age and Nickelodeon Nick Junior if they're an X or age or uh, standard Nickelodeon programming later in the day for another age. So you've got the one network that is able to micro-target those audiences. Hmm. Whereas, like you're saying, Cartoon Network, I think, tries to do something a little broader. Let's, let's cover some skit work here. All right, what so, do we got? Yeah, well, we talked about the firing squad, where the punchline is always the kid. Why there's a kid getting shot is unsettling, but the, <laughs> always the dumb executioner. He, get, he gets tricked. It's a very coyote, trickster-esque plot where the kid's getting the guy with the execution yeah, yeah, whatever, to say fire while he's in the line of fire. Yes. And it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. This is where Alanis Morissette learned the incorrect meaning of irony, I suppose. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's, it's their fault. It's incubated on this show. Right there. Right there on the... You can't do that on television. <laughs> the dungeon sequence is just some usually having to do with torture. There's, Fair enough. There's not much to it. I'm not remembering the specifics of any of the dungeon jokes. I know they weren't that exciting, but... Uh, no, it's just usually like a kid in chains, like all the far side almost, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And there's usually... There's actually a character that's just a skeleton that they have a name uh, for. Yes. Um, and then the executioner, same guy, Les, comes in and usually makes some joke about how much he likes to torture. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the funny line. Yeah, you're right. That is the, right. That's the ethos there. But the one that struck me the funniest was the graffiti locker uh, riff on Hee Haw. You liked that the best. Well, I don't like it the best. I think it's the funniest in the sense not even actual funny. Okay, good. Glad you're clarifying. <laughs> those were the those were the flattest jokes of the entire. They were screen. so bad, and I love that they were just like I felt like you know what it felt like to me. It's like when you're on the playground as a kid. And you saw your parents' show, and you reenact it, or you reenact something. <laughs> that's what it felt like to me. It's like, oh, what's that show where they open up the doors and tell jokes? Can yeah, we do uh, that? And then they were like, okay. That's what it felt like to me. No, I mean, it's clearly a ripoff of that. The laughing, uh, the Goldie Hawn. Uh, Not laughing. I said hee haw. Yeah, laughing. I think hee haw did it too. I think you're right. Laughing a bit sorry. as well. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. I don't think it's even trying to pretend that it is. That, you know who else does it? It's Sid the Science Kid. And that's what it felt like. Because Sid the Science Kid, it seems like they're playing on that idea that little kids are mimicking adults. Okay. Do you watch Sid? Have you I've seen, seen your before. kids? The, the and those jokes are actually bar, infinitely... The animation is really hard to watch. But go ahead. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. But those jokes are way better, I think, on Sid the Science Kid. Like, that's where they could have written a good joke. Like, that's not that hard to make it. They could have just, like you said, get out a Laffy Taffy rapper. Well, you know, we, we you mentioned the other uh, Laughing and Hee Haw, but The Muppet Show is on, too, and The Muppet yeah. Show has a similar oh, gag, yeah. too. Much better. And that's an example that's of probably what they were directed doing. to kids and adults at the same time that plays out really well. So Yeah, I bet part it was The Muppet Show that they were... That oh, been, like, could have been all of them. Could have been <laughs> any of them. <laughs> like, hey, Alistair. Yeah? Yeah, that's it. I guess yeah. we didn't explain the physicality. They yet, open the, they're in lockers and they open the doors. Uh-huh. Just awful jokes. Terrible. You jokes. know what I heard today? What? <laughs> Sheep. But that would actually be really good. Like, I don't know, really good. 
Uh, let, let's try this one. All right. Uh, you know what I heard? Say Alistair. And then the other Alistair comes out of his locker and he says, what's that, Dougie? And then uh, Dougie says, guess what I heard today, Alistair? And then, and then Alistair says, what's that? And Dougie says, a, sh- uh, a ghost. And then Alistair says, boo. That's, that's pretty good. That's the level of the jokes we're talking about. That's still too good. Yeah. I think. I was like, kind of proud of it. Yeah. Hey, Alistair. <laughs> what, Christine? Are you saved? And then, you know, Alistair's like, uh, yeah, my family and I are Christian. We love Jesus. And then Christine's like, who's Jesus? Ooh. Yeah, there you go. That captures the essence. <laughs> I don't know that they would go that far into that's, that's a little dark. territory. Yeah, that's a little I dark. They would bring up uh, salvation. Yeah, that's, that's a little dark and a little weird. No, that pacing is captures it. Oh, shit. But the pacing is bad. Uh, this is a good example of a joke I saw. That I keep bringing it up and then not finish it. Um, do that. Keep thing. blueballing this joke. So this is what happened: is there's this guy, kid, maybe who would you say, Davy? Dougie. Dougie. Man, let's, let's be fair. Dougie. Maybe I don't know if it was Dougie though, but Dougie and Al- Alanis are walking by a door, and Alanis says, "The Rolling Stones live here." And then the other one's like, "Are you serious? We should go knock on the door." And he's like, "No, we shouldn't knock on the door. Let's go do it." And it's like, "Okay." They ring the doorbell, door opens, and what comes out? Giant styrofoam rocks. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, it's that type of Rolling Stone. No, dear. But somehow, even that is a solid pun. They couldn't do it right. Like, the timing was <laughs> off, the way they delivered the joke. It's just so Canadian. So bad. The you know what's in the high school? was called uh, Benedict Arnold Public School. Uh... Weird. Oh, man. Yeah, so, you know, maybe the corollary here. Uh, these are sub-Mad Magazine jokes, so maybe they're, like, Cracked jokes. Remember <laughs> Cracked used to be a magazine that yeah, was bad? Yeah, like a cheap Mad. Yeah, it was, like, that's a bad. Really that was, like, discount Mad. Even though now it's, like, one of the best ones. Yeah, right. It's an odd, odd evolution over time. Well, all right, so rather than try to catalog, because, again, there are 39 of these different skits in here. Right, yeah. And Torture and then Firing Squad and the... There's some other major runner. The kids go into the house. The arcade, Biff's arcade, Bleep's arcade, whatever it yeah. is. With the fakest sounding arcade yeah. ever. Uh-huh. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> what out of any of those skits jumped out at you as provocative for whatever reason, interesting, strange, inexplicable, what have you? <laughs> oh, I have a couple I can start you off. Yeah, you do it. In the classical music episode, the third skit was... Um, Alistair's dad drinking scotch at the kitchen counter mm-hmm. and there was some sort of exchange I don't remember what it was and then Alistair at the end of the skit takes the, the glass of scotch and runs out of the room as if to go drink it down mm-hmm. the level of comfort with drunk dads and kids drinking was yeah. really uh, shocking yeah that's the type of humor I think we're getting at about bad humor like like inappropriate on a level that's really strange mm-hmm there was an alcohol one on pop music, too, similar to that, where a drunk dad was teaching, I think, Alistair or something about measuring, and he was using alcohol for it. And, uh, yeah, no, I think that's on classical music. Oh, it's on classical music? Strange. The show does not shy away from drinking culture. No. <laughs> and it makes no moral judgments to the <laughs> negative. Maybe that's Canadian. Maybe it's maybe Canadian. Maybe it's 80s. 80s, yeah. I do remember a very special episode of Roseanne where uh, <laughs> Becky, the Becky, oh, Becky, got into the liquor cabinet 
She and her friends Dude. got a little tipsy. That sounds like a disaster. And Dan, at the end, had to screw in a lock, and there was no laughter. I think it was just him. You know, we knew it was a special. Oh, it's time to turn off the laughter, no laughter buddy. Do you remember the the episode when Dan and Roseanne smoked uh, Darlene's pot, and then at the end they're rolling on the bed all all all, <laughs> no. all Roseanne and Danish. Oh, uh, it's pretty. Ch- it's pretty scarring. Oh uh, yeah, that's a lot. It's funny. There's funny jokes. Yeah, but then they do that, and it's too much. Remember how we saw um, uh, John Goodman recently, and he looks like a million bucks. A million bucks. And so does Roseanne. Did you watch her on the Last uh, Comic Standing this last summer? No. It's great. I have very little. I can't stand Roseanne. I guess is well, a way to say that. Yeah, you'd like her on Last Comic Standing. I don't know if I would. I'll try. I would try. You like Norm at least. Norm, oh sure, I like Norm. Norm's fantastic. Doesn't like Norm. Shh. Except no. for that dumb Rolling Stone. Oh, yeah, that the worst Rolling Stone article we've of all time. Um, you know, one thing that struck me, I wrote a note about. Uh, you know, on these old '80s shows that like. Never they like are using rock music always seemed to be a metaphor for naughtiness and sure. satanism. Yeah. And uh so they're listening to it frequently. And it seems like all kids' shows have the same stock faults rock music. Okay. That sounds like no music that exists that I'm aware of, except for on these shows. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> it's just really bad. I wonder it. I wonder who's in charge of making that. I wonder if there was like a band that did that. Saved by the Bell also frequently recorded that music. We, I, huh, good question. I don't know. I mean, it, it could very well be one of those uh, music houses that makes uh, just commercially licensable music that sucks. That you can use for like, a, they subscribe to and they can use whatever they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. You know what's weird? Is there any episodes that you remember uh, that weren't... Uh, on, the, on these episodes, like any skits from your memory that didn't appear or anything like that? Ooh. Well, um, I did not remember the segment of the show where they talked to real live kids about stuff. Yeah. I liked those. They were funny. That was nice. Because they weren't jokes. No. And the kids were really weird. Yeah. And not professional actors. And the pacing wasn't any different than the show or the timing. Uh-huh. So it was an odd juxtaposition. And it almost, it almost felt Sesame Street-ish, like they were trying to teach uh-huh. us something. But there was uh-huh. no lesson. Yeah, the kids said things that were really sort of incoherent or inconsequential. <laughs> and do you remember how Christine introduced it? She was like, she, I don't remember what she said, but it was something insulting. Like, yeah, kind of. Like something like, some of the stuff they said make me sick. Hey, oh! I mean, something like that, you know? Yeah. But they right. said nothing controversial or weird. No. It's, it's, a, it's that mean-spirited humor that runs through the show. Yeah, it is. It has its mean bits. It's a mean show in a lot of ways, no doubt. No doubt about it. It likes to punch down. Does and it really gets to do it. And the other thing I forgot the opposite sketches, which is a runner where they they say it must be the opposite sketches, and then the screen flips and transposes, and then all the bits in there are not jokes. Uh, they're mm-hmm. just people doing terrible things, and it's played <laughs> as part of the skit. Yeah, like oh wait, rock and roll music's great. I think that's actually a joke. Yeah. Like this would, I'm sure somewhere along the runtime, there was one that was like, all right, kids, drink your vodka. And then the kids <laughs> oh, that, I bet there's more than one. Oh, more than one, for sure. Because <laughs> that's what they do. Uh, die. Okay, yeah. 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 You know, there's one There's one skit I remember from my youth, and it's uh, the mom, who we haven't even talked about, the, the lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, about sorry. Her. Do you know um, anything about her? I looked through it a bit, and she has not... She doesn't have very many other IMDb credits. They're mostly this show and things related to the network. Weird. 
Yeah. She's so familiar looking, though. Right? Yeah. Like, but she, I remember a skit in, from when I was a kid, so I don't know how accurate this is, but, like, one of the kids, probably Alistair, because that kid gets all the screen time. I bet that was yeah. a problem. Mm-hmm. I, bet the, I bet the kids well, they fought. They fought, fought. so hard. <laughs> he uh, came in to, because she often was a housewife. That was her mom. Yeah, sure. With with yellow rubber gloves and an right. apron and you'd, you'd, bright red curly hair. You'd immediately recognize her if you'd ever seen this before. Yeah, and is that the only role she does? Does she do anything else, really? She's other kind of moms, I mean. Just, just moms. But yeah, I, I can't think. In the one we saw, the ones we saw, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. So he comes into the room and he's like, Oh, it smells so good, Mom. I love it when you change the sheets. And she's like, I know you do. That's why I use fresh, clean aerosol. Especially change sheets aerosol. The joke mm-hmm. being that she never changes the sheets. She just sprays. Uh, and the laughter was notorious. <laughs> but I remember that skit. Um, I don't know when, when it appeared or why I remember it, but it's always stuck with me. Huh? But it no, that's classic. You can't fault that joke. No, that's like that's, but that's, that's pretty. It's pretty representative of the jokes in, in, in general. No doubt. Now, given this show's production, they must have had to write awful lot of dumb jokes yeah and then produce them well luckily they have those rotating sets so the production probably was more a matter of carouseling than, than yeah. creating things but man that's a lot of bad jokes it is a lot of bad jokes and I, I get the feeling that their staff or writers were also children they weren't they weren't very involved if I mean they weren't children they were what like graduate students yeah over graduate students engineers at probably. Ottawa University <laughs> <laughs> engineers there, there was a, a oral history I read a while back about uh, I was speaking of about mm-hmm. about did you hear the uh, yes the sir, Canadian right. accents mm-hmm. they but those were fun that was fun uh, about uh, small wonder and the and the writers and they were talking about how no. how like they were forced to write bad jokes like they couldn't make anything funny or good. Well, that's what you would say if you were a writer for Small Wonder. Isn't I like, well, I think someone went on to do, actually write good stuff. They were I claiming that, like, can't believe it. Yeah, they were forced. That was like the, the show creator's name, but I don't remember. Like, wanted it to be stupid. Or good. Mission accomplished. I know. I, I could be, you know, I haven't read this in a year or something, but. And now, some thoughts from Rob about Alanis Morissette. Today I'll talk a bit about You Can't Do That on Television's most famous alum, Alanis Morissette. Now everyone has their most favorite Alanis Morissette memory, whether it be sitting around the living room with grandmother, listening to her on the old wireless, or jamming a cassette into your car and rocking out to your favorite Alanis jam. So today I'm going to talk about three of my favorite memories of Alanis Morissette. My first favorite memory of Alanis Morissette was when that greasy guy on MTV, whose name I don't know, and I could probably look up, but I'm not going to, made a parody video of Ironic. Just to give you a brief primer, remember Ironic, the video, Alanis Morissette is in the car in all four seats. It's amazing. It's video trickery at its finest. And at the time on MTV, there was this guy who wore bottle rim glasses and had greasy hair, and I don't remember his name, but he parodied it, and it was funny. So go check that out on the YouTubes if it's there. There's no way to know if it's there, though. I don't I don't know. Another good memory is when my cover band, yes, cover band, used to cover the song Uninvited 
it was mostly for laughs because uh, obviously we weren't Alanis Morissette. We were men and we didn't have a piano and it was a piano song. So we used like a Casio thing and it sounded terrible, but it was fun. And my final memory is that recently she went on the late night circuit with The Lonely Island and redid Ironic with their song Semicolon because both get the concept of their subject wrong. And so she was willing to make fun of herself, and that was fun. So that's Alanis Morissette, and I'm Rob Watkins. That interruption was brought to you in part by Terry Porter. And now we return to the finale of our show. point in the sense that these shows which were such a big part of Nickelodeon are in such uh, they're so hard to find mm-hmm. outside of YouTube clips that like you said people, they have filmed on potatoes mm-hmm. most of the YouTube clips that you watch have uh, sort of tracking lines from the VCR going yeah. across them <laughs> and the ones that we yeah. saw awesomely though had period commercials best part of the show was the best yeah. marshmallow rice krispies no it wasn't oh, no, marshmallow like fruity it was. Marshmallow Krispies or something. Fruity Marshmallow Krispies. Which I had no memory of existing until I saw that commercial. Then I either invented or had a memory come back of that series. Yeah, exactly. The song, anyway, stands out quite a a bit. And Slip and Slide. Slip and Slide commercial. Mm -hmm. From the day. With the swimming pool at the end. Yeah. Which is what I always wanted. Splash pool. Splash pool. From Whammo. So stop me from getting injured. You're going too fast. Right, you don't want to. Our, our slip and slide did not have that. It just, oh, it's a God, slip and slide. Yeah. Kids were risking your lives. Why is it so hard to find this? It's not even released on DVD. That's rare. Yeah. I don't know. Because uh, there's rumors on the internet where people are saying the Nickelodeon said they would release it like in the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. It never happened. They rebroadcast episodes in 2001, two or three, somewhere around there. I know as part of the nostalgia retro Nickelodeon. Programming, mm-hmm. uh, that's it. Well, my guess maybe is maybe it's that mean spiritedness. Maybe I, that's my guess. They went back and saw it. There's like, yeesh. Yeah, this isn't okay. <laughs> Plus, also, like we said, it's sexist. It's racist. It promotes underage drinking. Uh, yeah, it does not respect children. It hates fat people. Uh, it hates anything it good. Hates anything. It hates baby Jesus. <laughs> Which I'm sure it was a skit somewhere. Well, probably. Was a major skit. Do you think they, they, they touched on religion? I bet there's a religion episode. Oh. My God, we should have watched that. Wow. Oh, we should also point this out, because I, I know we've been going on for a while here, but in the classical music episode, all the kids, almost all the skits feature an instrument being played by a kid who <laughs> doesn't know how to play the instrument. <laughs> it just adds some terror to the audio track. <laughs> And the audio tracks were already bad. Like I've talked about miscues. Like a lot of times, the joke will mm-hmm. depend on them playing an instrument to something, and they miss the cue. I mean, that happens on SNL sometimes, and we all, you know, it's live. Mm-hmm. But this was pre-recorded. Like that doesn't. This is true. It doesn't make sense. I think your one take thing is probably accurate. That, Two that tops. That was their budget. Yeah. Is that a run through? Sometimes it feels like. They just got done with a skit, and then one of the kids was like, what if we did this joke? And they're like, okay. <laughs> and then they just did it. It does have, and that's part of what's charming about it, is that it does mm-hmm. have a real sort of summer camp feel to it, like improv yeah. kid theater feel to it. it. It does. It almost feels like you're watching uh, like a middle school student body skit. 
Yeah, that's not land, I guess. No, that, <laughs> it immediately did not connote charming to me, so that sounds like the torture, and maybe you're right, that's the downside of it, too. But maybe not necessarily student <laughs> body, but you know what I mean? That type of jokes where, like, you allow children or young teenagers to have free reign on comedy. This is what they've come up with. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm stuck on your earlier point about how uh, it's like kids trying to act out adult content that they don't understand the motivation for. I think that tension is definitely a lot. How well do you think this has held up as a text itself, as a text <laughs> item? How well has this held up on a scale from one to Stonehenge? Sure. Yeah, for you. Uh, three um, Stonehenge. Yeah, three Stonehenge. I would say that this is probably... A hole in the ground. <laughs> it hasn't held up at all. I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. No, I, I mean, I can't imagine this being broadcast in a contemporary media climate. However, what do you think to uh, the idea of it being rebooted? Is it possible to reboot? Oh, for sure. Like I, I think after this conversation, I'm realizing that it is influential. Like, yeah. I think, and I could be wrong. Maybe there are other shows that I'm just not aware of, but it seems like it kind of set a template for the, the tween sketch comedies to follow. Um, and I think they got better. So yeah, I think they could definitely be rebooted. Uh, and I think it would probably be very, be very successful with a 2000 mm-hmm. teen sensibility. Sure. I think it would work. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it would face competition from similar shows that are already on Nickelodeon and Disney and so on. But I think... If they tried to retain some of what works about it, uh, you know, have unknown actors, not try to sort of shape them into future network stars, but just use them like SNL kind of, uh, they had better writing. They used the same nostalgia-based set pieces. <laughs> I think there would be an interesting, but that might have potential it would work. What do you say about the, the value of it holding up? Seems like you have a little bit more fun well, support than I do. I don't think it holds up well in the sense that it, it's not good. I mean, it doesn't work if you're an adult. I would be curious to see what my kids thought about it, whether they liked it or not. I think as a mm-hmm. cultural artifact, as a study text, it's amazing. I mean, I think if you were interested in TV, mm-hmm. cultural evolution, pop culture, any of that stuff, it's a document that you would find very fruitful. Uh, yeah, and I agree with that. I think it's very... It's, it's, I don't know what the word is, but it's... it's I don't want to say, but there's something about it. As much as we're making fun of it, or at least I am, uh, it's still, I mean, it's that memorable. How many other shows have just disappeared in my mind? And it's just weird. Like, Mm -hmm. it's an anomaly. It's not not a normal thing. And that's kind of a fun thing about it to to witness. That that this actually not only existed, but I imagine was popular. Oh, really popular. Yeah, I mean, it was the the, highlight, well, the the highest rated show on Nickelodeon for at least the first half of decade of oh, its Oh, really? And then it ran all the way up till to nineteen ninety something. That's so. crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that that's interesting. That's definitely study worthy because because wow, wow. Because I think I actually remember. I I remember when Atlantis hit it big. Mm-hmm. Um, there were jokes often that would float for you know people of my brother's age who was. A bit older than I am, um, nine years older than I am. He, they were like, "Oh, you love," because he 
you love Alanis Morissette because you fell in love with her on You Can't Do That on Television. Which is silly, of course. Right. Because she's only on a few episodes. Sure. But that was the joke. So, did this rewatch confirm or make you question your nostalgia about this particular program? It's, I imagined it was as bad. I mean, as I thought back, (laughs) as I got older. You're so clear-eyed. I thought, you know, I bet that wasn't, this isn't going to be very good. But I didn't quite think it would be as bad as it was. But I also didn't think it would be as crazy as it was either, so. That's an upside. And I don't remember it being so frantic either. Like, that it was just like, Mm -hmm. 10, 15 second joke, next. Yeah, me neither. I did not remember that. That is crazy. Kind of was something. Like I said, I did the aesthetics of it and the set pieces and the visual appearance. And Christine McGlade, who I once again want to say is, is delightful. Mm-hmm. All of those things These are the best part warmed of the a cockle. They hit a spot. They felt nice. The actual literal content of the show was garbage and terrible. <laughs> and it made me question my taste as a 10-year-old. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, on the level of nostalgia, it was a fun rewatch. I would not recommend pursuing it more than one or two episodes. I am completely with you, except I don't even know if it's worth revisiting at all, except so that you can maybe know what we're talking about and then come up with your own sure. insults. Or if you are, say, 35 or older, you might benefit from it. Yeah, might if you watched it. it. There's no reason to watch it if you never saw it. Never saw it. Probably not. And I think, like, I, remember, I don't know, maybe just to see how my kids react, but I don't want to show it to them because it's just right. Because it will, it's filthy. It, it is. Teach them terrible things. Terrible things. <laughs> yeah, I remember pa- some parents saying that about Nickelodeon back then. Like, oh, I don't let my kids watch it. And I was like, like, yeah, it makes sense based on this show. I mean, but, you know, in reality, I don't think I would have let my kids watch this. <laughs> no. Uh, so, you know, it was a different time. Was you want to pick something now to look at next time, or do you want to get back to it? Well, we um, suggested through here a small we, wonder. Yeah, we talked about all kinds uh, of stuff. Small wonder and Kids Incorporated. Those two, I think, are solid. Which are I'm really scared of both of them. I hated them both so much. So uh, I'm not gonna have fun nostalgia. Okay, well but that doesn't mean I have fun nostalgia for both of those. Do you really? We could do one of those. Fine. But I'm that sounds kind of painful. We could do something good. No, I'm cool. I, I mean, this was painful, but worthwhile. So. Uh, take your pick your poison. Small Wonder or Kids Incorporated. Uh, I think Small Wonder. All right, let's do it. I let's have a, a lot run. of uh, deep emotions. About okay, this, so we'll, let's uncover them. We should probably have some sort of a sign off. Okay, go ahead. Like, all right. That's like, that's not <laughs> My name is Robert and Brandon. <laughs> Excellent. What's your sign off? Um, boy. Can't it is hard that. when you're on the spot. Huh? I know, right? All My. right. I gotta get to the dentist. That's for real, though. That's not gonna apply next week. Hey. Okay. Yeah. Know, and we'll just sign off with the details, the tedious details okay. of my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, jet fuel cannot melt steel cream bars. Right, and you will uh, sign off with a riff on contemporary conspiracy theory. Yes. And also dairy products. And dairy products. Yeah, I'll try to make a dairy conspiracy. Don't test yourself so into it. Alright, we'll see you later. Godspeed. This has been episode one of Potpourri Podcasts. Like us on Facebook at Podpourri Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podpourri Cast. Stay greasy.
pause. You can edit that in because it's oh, a pause. Oh, I can edit that. Oh, you can edit that. that stuff right oh, up. Oh, I can edit that so hard. Thanks, tough guy. Oh. him. Wow, today Nickelodeon, of course, is one of the most uh, somethingest things on the television. There, we're going to stop. I know you can edit so hard. We, we, we get it. We all get it. Okay. Did you know I can edit? Dude, I was about to say an important okay. thing and now I'm all derailed. <laughs> uh, uh, it's better for you to be derailed than for Amtrak. No, I was going to make a really convoluted joke about derailing a, in a gay nightclub in the 90s, but that was a real long shot. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah.